Welcome to season two of fit to be Radio, in which we're discussing biopsychosocial dimensions of fitness and physical activity. fit to be Radio is a production of fit to be Studio, which specializes in home workouts and e-courses for those dealing with diastasis recti. Slip your smartphone into your pocket and strap on your sneakers and take us along for a walk while we talk, or just grab your favorite drink and get on the floor and stretch. It's going to be a great show. Hey everybody, welcome to fit to be Radio. My name is Chris Banky. I'll be your host today. I've got with us Beth Learn. She's the CEO and founder of fit to be Studio. We also have Susan Clinton with us. She's a physical therapist and an international educator uh, in orthopedic and pelvic health. So we're really excited to have you on with us. Thank you for spending some time today, Susan. My pleasure. Happy to so, be here. Awesome. Awesome. So Susan, where are you in the world today? Where are you coming to us from? I am coming to you from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, I'll just say the home of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So All right. hockey season's almost upon us. We're excited here. And is this, yeah. is this home home for, for you? Are, are you this, from this, there? This is not home for me. Um, I am from, it's this kind of a circuitous route. Uh, I grew up in El Paso, Texas, uh-huh. and uh, okay. lived, in, lived, in, lived in West Texas and made my way through Austin. And over to New Orleans and lived there for a number of years, uh, 20 years. And then the hurricane came yeah. and mm-hmm. um, washed us out. And so we ended up in Pittsburgh, where my husband is a university professor at Robert Morris University. And that's what brought us up here. And we've been here since the hurricane. Very cool. That's very cool. So you've been there long enough to have a good feel for it. Um, yep. How does it compare to Texas? Like that is pretty very, <laughs> very different. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And, and you know, Texas is its own country. You've got, you've got the desert, you've got the sea, Yeah. you've got, you know, some highlands and some lowlands and all of that kind of thing. So it depends upon where in Texas, but the one thing that doesn't occur in Texas is the four seasons. Right. And I would, I would have to say when people ask me how different it is, um, I would have to say the biggest difference is the four seasons. You know, I, that, that's been kind of a fun piece to add to my existence yeah. is those distinct seasons, which has been nice. Keep things changing mm-hmm. instead of just hot and hotter. Right. Or just <laughs> hot and cold. And hot and cold, right. <laughs> now, how, Beth, how do, you, how do you two know each other? Well, we connected online, you know, through all the various PT circles, uh, probably originally in the women's health physio group that is run by Michelle Lyons and a few others. And then really sat down and connected at Woman on Fire um, just this year. In Brighton, England, yes. Yeah, in England. We had to go across uh, the pond to meet each other. (laughs) Yeah, I know. We're both from the States. We both actually went face to face over in England and uh, we both were speakers there. She had two sessions and I had two sessions and it was, I don't, I think I, I think I was able to make it to one of your sessions. I think I might've been speaking at the same time of one of your other ones. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we ended up sitting down and having dinner with Shelly Prosco and gosh, that was such a great dinner. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we started talking about the core and, and the voice, and I, I ended up sharing some of my stories, which we'll get to in this podcast, and, and you had such awesome insights, and I knew I had to have you on the podcast. Yeah, that's awesome. 
had to go over the sea to to connect. But you know what? That's all right. Now, now you're connected. Yep. Now you're on the podcast. We're excited to have you. So nice. Women of Fire. So something interesting happened at Women of Fire that we were talking about in the pre-show. And that kind of got you mm-hmm. guys talking. And, and I think it may even have led to what you want to get into in today's podcast. So, yeah. So, so what was that? One of, story? one of the sessions I went to there was um, with Dr. Emily Swickle. I think I'm saying that right. Of Barefoot strong and she also is the founder of Naboso and um, technology that stimulates your nervous system through the feet that's the best way I can think of to describe it Um, her company has uh, these power plates and I am hoping to get her on the podcast as well because the biopsychosocial connections of what she does are huge so we all have our turn on this like vibrating platform maybe a foot off the ground nine inches and it vibrates, and it also is covered in this material that is specially designed to connect with the nerves of your feet. So there's little nubbies on them that are special distance apart to hit the most nerves in your feet. So you're on this thing yeah, barefoot, yeah, and, it, and it's vibrating, and it vibrates at various frequencies. So it's just my turn, and we're supposed to climb up there, and, and she's asking us to do things. And the whole time I'm watching people waiting for my turn, I'm thinking, this is so easy. Like, this is, I mean, why would people spend that? Like, it's not, it's not an inexpensive tool. Um, but it's used in rehabilitation. It, it has really good evidence to support how it helps bodies. So I get on there all cocky, right? We're supposed to do simple things like reach out to the side and watch our fingers or lift one knee while turning to look the other way. And I get on this thing and instantly my vision goes wonky. Like my vision, all the lights in the room split apart. I got a little bit dizzy, but I'm still like, I'm trying to focus on what she's saying. And I literally cannot hear her. So my, my hearing also, like I couldn't focus on what she was saying. And I go to lift a leg and I, I have to put the foot back down because my balance is off and, and getting super real here. I could feel my pelvic floor. And my throat both just clench, like not to the point where I couldn't breathe, but to the point where I was super uncomfortable and I just wanted off of it. And I did, I stepped off and I was like, okay, wow. And then I got back on and proceeded to have exactly the same symptoms. And part of the goal of the power plate is to overload your nervous system to create the ability to handle other stimulation better, right? Well, my body just was like, uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, it was not, I mean, even I felt like I instantly needed to go to the bathroom and I felt like, which is not common for me. I don't deal with urgent continence unless I've had way too many energy drinks and go for a very long walk. And that's a whole other blog that I just wrote. Um, (laughs) Uh, you know, I, I've never, I haven't dealt with pelvic cramping, except for the time that I put a diva cup in wrong. You know, it's, it's things like that where it's like, <laughs> what the heck just happened? Okay. And so, so I, I discussed this with Susan and Susan, now it's your turn. <laughs> okay. So, so just to recap real quick, because I, not, I don't know from your description, everybody's going to understand. This is basically a, a plate that sits on the floor and it, it yeah. has a small vibrating. It's not like. It's small vibrations at different frequencies, and you stand on it with your bare feet, 
and then it yeah. does stuff. And it did yeah. stuff to Beth that she wasn't anticipating. So that's, no. kind of, you know, it's almost like a, a sander you're standing on a, you know, bzz, it's not yeah. shaking you and throwing you No, around. it's not shaking me at all. It's right. like a low-level vibration. And I've stood on these things before. I've been on similar things that have handles, um, but I've never been on one with the added stimulation to the feet. I've also never been on one where we were, were never on doing a different things. One. Maybe this was a decent. Maybe one. that's it. Yeah, this is a this is a quality one. I don't know. Yeah. So Susan, I I'm telling Susan all this, <laughs> and she says some interesting things that I really want everybody else to hear. So I did. I did. I found the whole experience that you went through very interesting and very telling. And I'm just going to add a little bitty teeny story to it because yeah. Um, after I was in Brighton, uh, that's the summer in June. My husband and I went up to the Canadian Rockies. And uh, we had the opportunity to go up to the Colombian uh, ice fields, which is where the glaciers still are. And we had mm -hmm. the opportunity to go walk on a glacier. And I don't like heights at all, at all. I'm not good with them. So it was a, it was a, I had reason to be ramped up all the way from the bus uh -huh. to the Range Rover to the thing where it was like, okay, I don't have to get out if I don't want to. Um, but the minute I got onto, you know, when we stepped down onto the glacier, it was kind of like crunching around on ice water. So it wasn't, you know, yeah. or, or crunchy ice. So it wasn't slippery. But I can tell you that as soon as I stood on it and I looked up and I started walking around, my throat and my pelvic floor were so tight it wasn't even funny. I could hardly talk. And yeah. it was like, so what I'm going to offer to you is, and to everybody listening, is that particularly for females, when our system feels like it's under threat, our system being our central nervous system, mm. our old central nervous system, not our cognitive one, the, the old brain that we have, the ancient brain, when it's when it mm. senses threat or it senses that you're in a situation that's threat threatening, um, we have a we have a sympathetic um, mm -hmm. uptick, particularly in the trigeminal system, which is one of the cranial nerves that gives like our you know all of these types of things, and it also races our heart. And does, you know, a number of other things, but it's tied directly into the eyes and the ears and the balance system as well. When that system goes under threat, the pelvic floor for females also goes under threat too. So we have an over recruitment of our pelvic floor. And if you think about that primally, if a tribe was overrun by another tribe, what did they do to the females? You know, so you can only imagine why yeah. we're built that way. You know, it's like, no, don't come in. Don't come near. Yeah, it's like lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and, that, and that's, uh, you know, we have excellent documentation of that in the literature, which is like fascinating. And then the feet, you know, are right next to the pelvis on the homunculus in your head, you know, where your brain mapping is. Uh -huh. And remember that the feet and the eyes and ears and, and, and balance system are all uniquely tied together. Mm -hmm. So yeah. by bringing the vibration up underneath, what that does to the system is it creates the system to become reactive. Mm -hmm. And this, there's mm -hmm. a lot of literature behind that because they say that the only way that you can challenge and improve people's balance reaction time is to make it reactive, not anticipatory. Right. Because if you know it's coming... Right. You know, it's different. The, the whole output of your motor system is different. And when it's, re, you know, so what they're doing with the vibration and the stimulation under the feet is giving noise into the system, but also making that system react. And for you, oh, it reacted. Was, was reacting to some sort of perceived threat, whatever that may have been. I mean, you, you 
it, we probably wouldn't be able to figure out what that is like cognitively, but your protective system was not happy with that at all. And, no. you know, and so you went into that kind of full blown, almost like a full blown flight or fight type of, of reaction. Oh, I wanted out happened. of there. You, yeah, I, you, I felt, I felt angry. It was, <laughs> it was like my logical side was all, What's wrong? You know, just take some right. deep breaths. But the other part of me, um, and I've dealt with anxiety and it was very much that, mm-hmm. um, was ticked. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess my question and, would be is, is there, um, like, is this dangerous in any way? Is this good? Does this mean that she needs to get on it more often and work through it? Does this mean well, she stay away it, from it? So it depends. What's the goal? You know, if the goal for, yeah. for you to was to be, you know, maybe, you know, some things that you have kind of like kind of brewing under the surface are there and that just kind of like expose them a little bit. I, you know, there's so many explanations and it's yeah. an end of one. You only stood on it, you know, the one or two times, yeah. you know, in this situation. Yeah in but you know but let's put it this way what i would do if this was my tool that was in my clinic and the person was having this kind of a reaction on it is that i would scale this down i would have them work on a lot of things without the plate then i would have them stand on it without any kind of stimulation and getting used to that and then we'd start maybe with just one frequency and let Mm -hmm. them begin to like you know let their systems begin to change and to um, explore that, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. some people, you know, some people, everyone's a little bit different and every time in someone's life, it could be a different time, you right. know, so. So you said something really interesting. Um, I want you to clarify for me. So you said it could be an indication of some things right under the surface that need to come mm-hmm. out. Are, mm-hmm. Is that a physical thing or a psychological thing or both or. Well, both because, you know, our, 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 the way we think and the way we feel is tied into the way our motor system works. So, you know, people talk about holding pain inside, you know, and you have like the stiffness and the, you know, shoulders that are, you know, picked up or the pelvic floor that's overreacting or the tummy muscles that are overgripping, you know, um, lots of times when I, when I have people in pain, are people who feel threatened for whatever reason. Oftentimes it's not a pain response. It's another response, you know, but I, right. a lot of my clients yeah. feel threatened and they're having issues. And some of the times I take their shoes off every single one of them. We are we're always barefoot in the clinic because I want to see what their feet are doing in response to the other stuff that they're doing as well. Because, you know, people right. kind of grip and get like tight hands. They also do the same with their feet. And that actually drives the balance system, uh, you know, more towards falling than, you know, being able to be like the weeping willow, you know, where the feet can move all over the floor and, you know, you can bend and go with the, with the stresses coming around you. Right. People like that tend to breath hold. It's very interesting. Which I think we're supposed to be talking about breathing a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the voice. Yes. Panic, mm-hmm. panic breathe, which is panting or breath hold. Um, I'm a breath holder. You know, and a lot of us are at many times, you know, we're just not, not as aware of it. And uh, it also changes your voice because when you're mm-hmm. under the threat or under the stress, your vocal folds are going to uh, tighten up and get stiffer. And, you're, and if you're breath holding, your glottis is going to be closed. So mm-hmm. it does. And it's, so when you do start to talk, it may like be peeking up to say, do we need some air in here for some breath? But it's not going to be a loud, bold, 
happy, you know, happy voice. It's going to be much more that kind of strained, strangulated, little higher pitch type mm. of voice that people get. Stressed and I actually see this with mm-hmm. people who are, who are definitely uh, dealing with pain. I, uh, I'm a singer as well. <clears throat> and so I can totally tell a difference when I'm stressed. I, you know, I sing every Sunday at church with some part, part of the worship team. And, um, and I saw it too in one of the gals who's on my team this last week. It was a tough morning for her. Her daughter was leaving for college that day. Um, the way she was standing kind of to the side. And I, I thought about saying something and I was like, you know what? This isn't the time. She's singing a little bit flat this morning. But I'm not going to turn to her and be like, hey. <laughs> um, but I just knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And what I did for her was I just reached out and said, hey, I know you're having a tough morning. And even I, right away I saw, because I watched alignment. Me doing that, she stood up a little bit taller mm-hmm. for the next little bit. And every time I touched her, she would respond. And so I just did that. I didn't say anything to her because sometimes it's just not the right time, Right. But I could hear the difference in her voice mm-hmm. from last week to this week and the stress she was going through and how she was carrying her body. It was very, very right, affirming. Right. Can so, you explain why that is, though? Yeah, sure. Up? Sure. Um, you know, when, you're thinking, when you're thinking about people who are not well for whatever reason or they're under a lot of, uh, they've got circumstances beyond their control that's piled up on them. You know, people kind of use stress as a bad word. I think it's our attitude towards stress that's bad. It's not. Mm-hmm. That stress is bad. Stress is like pain. It's a normal part of life. It's, you know, if we're going to have a negative attitude toward it or if we're going to look at it as a challenge. But sometimes it can pile up way too much. No question. And we go through those periods. Um, and it does. It changes our posture. And it changes the ability to, uh, you know, to breathe in a different way. And, to you know, mm-hmm. and we don't let ourselves back down, you know, to that easy kind of life you know that you know because when we're up here stressed forget that we can come all the way back down here and not be you know and and let ourselves kind of you know dissolve some of that and then kind of go back up as we need it but what we tend to do in our cultures we tend to get up here and stay up here right and maybe we come down but only part way and then we go back up and so now we've set the bar to go up and down here rather than here mm-hmm. all the way through so and you You're know the interesting you thing is you bring it down i think in the beginning when you have people who are having trouble that they need some sort of cues to help them come down until that they can get consistent with it again on their own because we normalize it you know think mm-hmm. about all the people around you oh yeah i have stress, but it's okay everything's fine weird you know it's just the way it is you know and they they just normalize yeah. That, so they never really allow themselves to come down because what happens when you come all the way down? Mm-hmm. You know, then there's grief and sadness and maybe anger mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and loss and mm-hmm. you know, all of those deep mm-hmm. are hard to feel. And what you were doing with her, which I'd, I'd like to say, is that you were showing her by just gently, you know, communication and touch, talk about being primal, right? Right. By, by doing that, you were actually giving her empathy, not sympathy. You weren't like, I'm sorry, you're so, so sad. You know, you were just, you were like, look, I know you're having a tough time. Right. You know, you share, you shared the space mm-hmm. with her and just put your hand on her to let her know that, you know, she's got some support. And that allowed her mm-hmm. to kind of like, oh, I can, I, I have the space to be a little bit different. You know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. 
feel this way. She knows I'm feeling this way, but she's not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. She's just holding space for me. Yeah. And I didn't want to add one more thing. I didn't want to be yeah. like, hey, you're not singing very well today. On top yeah. of everything else. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Really, because then that becomes fine. So, you, didn't, you didn't put judgment on her. You just said, you know, as a friend, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. tough times. I've had my sing flat days too. <laughs> Plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> we all have. We all have. Oh my but, but, but that, you know, and so if those are the things that we can hear in people, as yeah. as out, like as biofeedback instruments, so to speak, then we can actually use that to drive the system the other way. So if mm-hmm. people are like really sympathetically driven, or they're you know uh, in the flight or fight, or you know kind of really <laughs> hanging up there, they can do you know some very very simple things. You know that yes, they can do the breathing, and I think probably your audience knows about breath and breathing because yeah. of all the I stuff like that you breath. do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can also use the voice. Mm. And so just a simple exercise is to lower the pitch. So think about your hum and just do a regular straight hum. Mm, Mm. Just a normal hum Mm. that you normally do. Now lower the pitch Mm. and feel what happens in your throat. Yeah. Yeah, the throat has to open up and widen for the vocal folds to ring at that lower or vibrate at that lower pitch. And when they do that, being the top and the bottom of the pressure system, the pelvic floor is also going to lengthen and its vibration is going to change. Hmm. So they That's can actually okay, use... Okay, Chris, you have to try it. And the, yeah, go ahead. Look sure you hum. Transformational. But it is. So singing yeah. and humming are primal, right? There's a reason man has been banging the drum for three million years. Um, it's celebratory, um, it's storytelling, and it's you know, and it's also, you know, uh, uh, letting out grief. And, you know, yeah. and bad things have happened in our tribe and let's remember and let's all cry and have our moments together, but let's also be mm-hmm. grateful for the things we have in the time we're together. You know, we, we, that's, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a tribal piece of, of human history yeah. that kind of comes with us, you know, and, and singing is lovely because you can get a lot of variability in your pelvic floor, postural control muscles and throat and head yeah. by doing a lot of singing and singing up, singing down, you know, right. d- but yeah. d- here's the deal. It works really well if it's their jams, not, you know, so when you're working with somebody, I always say, what's your favorite music? Mm-hmm. And they kind of look at me for a while and I'm like, I'm dead serious. What, what do you want to, I'm turning it on. Spotify's on. What do you want to hear? Genre now. And so they come up with, okay, I want to hear this. And it's like, put it on. Right then you're saying to them that what they think, what they feel and who they are matter because it's their yeah. music. And that's what they're, you know, and you, and you take people, even people in pain or people who are having trouble moving and you put their, their mute, they put their music on. Watch what happens moving. to them. Exactly, because yeah. the way they start doing, I mean, like I'm a rocker, so I, you know, it's they like start bobbing their head or they tap their feet, toe, working, or they, you know, they start, you know, doing yeah, different things. Like the shoulders. And it helps them get out of inertia, which is like so oh. cool. Wow. You know, because sometimes people, when they think, "Oh, my knees hurt, and I need to get up, and I know I need to go, but I just don't want to do it," you know, there's that thought in their head, like, "Oh, 
okay. But you do, you put the music on and all of a sudden mm -hmm. your motor system begins. To, it's a different motor output that I starts to come on. I can't exercise without music. I can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like <laughs> you can't. But you don't want to. Fitness instructor, I don't know. I'm like, and I I noticed this too. Um, so in in the yoga studio where I teach a couple times a week here locally, um, sometimes I'll forget to put the music on right away, and people will be setting up their mats, and there's kind of this hush and this quietness. As soon as I turn on the music, even it, even though it's very relaxing, calming music, um, every time, everybody changes position right when the music comes on. When I was teaching step aerobics, mm -hmm. people would sit on their benches. But as soon as I turn on the music, instantly they stand up. Yep. And this can be five or ten minutes before class starts. So it's not, they know it's not time to start moving, but they start moving yeah. mm -hmm. every time. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've noticed for years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is, this is they true. Get like comfortable. I, yeah, like I said, I'm a rocker, so I go to a lot of, I've always gone to a lot of rock and roll concerts. And you just watch the crowd as soon as the guy comes on to like, uh, you know, do the sound check on the the keyboards and the guitars and stuff, and everybody does it. You know, all all of a sudden, the entire energy in the place changes. Mm -hmm. Even yeah. though it's, we know damn well it's forty five minutes before that guy's going to come <laughs> exactly. on the stage, right? <laughs> they do that to you on purpose. But all of these right. little things, these little primers, those are those are real. But we, you know, you mm. being able to use That's those are wonderful because that you know, for a lot of people, it's like if you if you what would it look like if you turn to on before you decide to get up out of the chair yeah mm -hmm. and it's something easy to do but it's got to be their jams so um i turn on their jams and we have that going in the clinic while we're doing our stuff and moving around and uh they have a little bit more fun with it that is and so cool so and it's you know and uh people forget to listen to their own music i've asked people this a lot of times when was the last time you listened to your music and, mm -hmm. you know, it's really sad to me because they, they can't tell me. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. You know, and it's like, okay, okay. <laughs> homework. <laughs> yeah. Um, forget about all this other stuff. I just want you to, to go reconnect with your music <laughs> and see what you feel like doing. And then we'll talk about it. But, I'm, but, it's, but it's, you know, and, and the you know, music people have is really primal for them. Because, again, that's how they connect in with their tribe. It may yeah. be music they grew mm -hmm. up with and, and church. You know, mm -hmm. like for you with your group and the music that's sung at those very special sacred yeah. times, you know, it could be music that they shared with their friends. It could mm -hmm. be music that they really touched them around the time of their, of the season of their life of, of having children. You know, mm -hmm. it could be reconnecting back to a, a happy time in their life as they, you know, change into older or different seasons of their life. So all of that can be really good. But the cool thing is, is that if people aren't comfortable singing, then they have another way that they can really get some variability into their system mm -hmm. is they can read, read out loud. Okay. Oh yeah. Read yeah. out loud. And you know, if you've got kids or grandkids or other people's kids or whatever, you know, read the, the, the books and the voices and, uh, you know, do all the voices. You know, yeah, the, little, the, bird and the big bad wolf, you know, and all the things that right. go on. And it's, it can be just, you know, when you do that, it's you're exercise. going to get variability in your autonomic nervous system. And it's going to help the, the, the system go up here like it's supposed to when we need it to. But it's also going to help it to come back down. Mm. And that's the piece I think we miss a lot in our fast, busy, crazed, you know, yeah. go get them society. 
is that we forget that we were losing that foundational piece of being able to know how to soothe ourselves and get quiet again. So as you use these tools in your practice, like what, what's the biggest difference that you see? Cause it sounds like you're, it's fully integrated mm-hmm. with the music and singing. And yeah. So what, People what, always look at me funny, and I said, "You knew I was different when you came in the door." So <laughs> <laughs> we, we, you knew this was going to happen. Um, the biggest difference that I see, first of all, is. Um, I, when I start getting people involved by getting them to actually start using their own voice, you know, and it's, it's kind of like a little, um, I would probably have to call it like a neuro trick or a primer. Um, what I'm trying to do is return the locus of control to them. They're coming to me because they have a problem and in our society in healthcare, people go because they think they need to be fixed. And actually what I'm trying to do is help them tap into their own inner wisdom and build some self-efficacy. And so when I give them their voice back, whether they're talking, they're pitching, they're humming, you know, then it's easier for them to make decisions about what they want to do with the treatment plan, with the rehab plan. So if they're coming to me for back pain, we may talk about, you know, s- several different things and do some movement stuff and figure out how they can move without pain and what feels good and what doesn't feel good and how to modify a few things. But I've also got the other stuff going at the end, I ask them to choose what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, and how they want to be held accountable for it. And they choose. And they sit there, and it's tough for them. But as yeah. we move on, I've gotten people to, to buy in and choose their stuff really a lot more rapidly by doing a lot of this stuff. Because the autonomic nervous system isn't on alert as much by the time we get to the time for them to make some decisions and it's their decisions. So they're going to actually, they make the decision, you know, out of these six things we did today, which one do you think is the priority? And they go, well, what do you think? It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not going to go wrong with any of them as far as I'm concerned. So pick one, Mm -hmm. which one speaks to you? Yeah. You know, and then they can take that. And then I, you know, talk to them about, you know, so small hinges swing big doors that you don't have to do all six, just do one consistently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. But get your music going, you know, yeah. because that helps you. And uh, see if that, you know, see how you feel. And, you know, what usually happens is, is then they come back. They not only did the one thing, but they remembered we did some other. And so I added those other two in there too. Mm-hmm. They did it. It wasn't me saying, you have to yeah. do this, you have to do this, you have to do They've this. They've got ownership that way. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, it, and it's their life. Mm-hmm. I want them to, I want to build self-efficacy so that they don't feel like they, so they know that they can make changes. And the changes came from them. Right. So they're adaptable as an organism. They're not a car that needs to be fixed. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So... So Beth, you, you mentioned that you just can't work out without music. So that makes me <laughs> want to ask the question, you know, <clears throat> every time we film, there's no music. We can't have music playing because the way the videos need to be edited, um, you have to add the music over. It is. And yeah, so you kind of just prove me I can, but it is hard. It yeah, really so challenges how, my brain. That? So let me ask you this as you're kind of preparing your workouts and you're designing what's going to be filmed, you've got music on. Yeah. So then what happens when you like, how does that work? Like how is that, how difficult is that? Well, music or Netflix and Netflix is usually music in the shows, you know? Um, I think, I bet you would actually be able to remember the times we have used music a couple times to do step aerobics routines. With a metronome. Right. 
Yeah, well, but there was one time in the studio, I'll never forget it. We had a, more of a dedicated studio space, and I got to have the actual music blasting because they were able to record that that way. I had I have more energy. That's the biggest thing for me is I have way more energy when there's a rhythm. When there is a little bit of a pattern to follow, I yeah. space my cues out differently. Right. I take breaths differently. I breathe differently when there is music. Mm-hmm. That's just for me. Yeah. yeah, I think, and there's something to that with the, the music changes the motor output of the brain. And we have great evidence with this. If you've ever seen videos of people who have Parkinson's disease and they're struggling with walking and, you know, they don't respond to the same cues. You can't break cues down for them. You have to say, let's go out the door. So the movement becomes automatic for them in many ways, but you can have, and they're struggling, you know, their, their steps get smaller and smaller and they kind of shuffle and they're struggling. You turn music on, Mm -hmm. they start moving differently. Mm -hmm. They do. And there was, I think a, just a beautiful uh, Facebook, uh, video that went around that was showing a gentleman who was struggling and then they put on the country western music and he I was saw able, that. yep able to you know and wow. was just and he started that's, talking that was in his brain yeah and so the music helped wow. him access an entirely different piece and so the motor system output is completely different which is like mm-hmm. that's the beauty of it yeah i often feel while i'm filming without music, you know, everything's quiet and people are just watching me from behind the cameras. I often feel like everything is in slow motion and I'm going through mud and really, I have to really think about my cues as opposed to if I'm in the middle of a step aerobics class or a yoga class and there's music, I just access things a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, there's nobody to validate that. That's purely anecdotal for myself. Mm -hmm. Another thing I wanted to touch on is that, and Chris saw this happen during a film session where we were interviewing somebody for our new course that's coming out called Comforting the Core, Moving Through Miscarriage and Infant Loss. We brought in a grief counselor and I'm sitting there interviewing her and all of a sudden Chris's wife, who was helping behind camera and my other assistant, they were like waving at me and pointing at my throat. Like they were like pointing at their throat and pointing at my throat. And, you know, so I I thought, well, maybe there's something on it. So I kind of reached up and I just brushed my, I didn't feel anything. I I didn't feel myself anything. Um, But I had just been sharing some about my own miscarriage. And I had felt a little, you know, constriction in my throat from like fighting back tears. You know, that tightness that you get when you're trying not to cry. That's how I felt. So we wrap up the interview and they both come right over to me. Remember that, Chris? Oh, yeah. And they're like, what is on your throat? You can, uh, maybe, I don't, I don't know. I never really saw it. Yeah, well, they, it's in the video. <laughs> it's in the interview. It's like bright yeah. purple, red, um, blotchy, you know, just like come to the surface, like allergic reaction, where's the EpiPen mm-hmm. kind of thing, mm-hmm. while she was talking, telling the story. Yeah. That's, pretty, a his- pretty that's, a hi- yeah, that's a histamine reaction, which goes along with... Um, you know, the, uh, that you see a lot in people who are reliving or even, you know, uh, are unbearing layers of, of traumatic, uh, traumatic events. Yeah. Yeah. And she had said something about, and, and, you know, I'd have to go back and watch the interview myself, which honestly I've, I've done partly once, but it, it is triggering for me. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had said something that helped me unearth a piece of my story 
And I haven't cried about my miscarriage in a very long time, but I, like I said, was choking back tears during that interview. Mm -hmm. Um, so like physiologically, you're saying it's a histamine well, react, almost I, yeah, like you're allergic to your own. Physiologically, it's a, it's a bit of a histamine response because what's happening when you're reliving into something that was traumatic, the, there's a threat response and it can make you very acidotic. You know, kind of almost like flight or fight, but it's coming from a different part. So there's flight, fight, and then there's freeze, right? And mm-hmm. the freeze is what, you yeah. know, even like our, our soldiers face on the battlefield. They can still act. They can still move. But what's happening around them is unimaginable. And so it gets walled away. And so when mm-hmm. it comes out, it comes out differently than if we're going to like rise up in anger and pull our, you know, sword and, you know, slay the, right, the evil right. doer. Um, you know, it comes out differently. And you still, you know... Um, the chemicals, the, you know, the, the bloodstream, you know, the chemo receptors is what I'm trying to say uh, right. uh, that are in our carotids are right here at our neck. And so that's oh, the first right react, the and that's the first part that like starts the, the, the movement of the color up. So it starts in the neck and comes wow. up into the face and then can go okay. down. But this from here up is generally where it happens. And that's that trigeminal system that's part of that too, because it's the sensory piece of the entire cranial system. Wow. So you can get a lot of stuff right here, or sometimes it's just right here on people. Wow. You know, it just depends on the, who it is and maybe how hard the event is at that time. Right. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so. Profound. She, she, she must have made you feel safe enough to, to allow that to come through. You know, that's the opposite actually what I thought. She made me feel safe, yes, but in that moment, I also felt a little bit trapped because here I am having this emotional response on camera. Mm-hmm. It's not like I can say stuff I don't have I'm done. We've <laughs> got makeup and hair, we've got all the people. So mm-hmm. I, in that moment, I, you know, I, I had to make the choice to go through it and not ignore it and mm-hmm. believe that me being open and vulnerable in that situation would help people who are watching it. Mm-hmm. I did not plan to be that vulnerable. Right. Um, but this counselor was that good. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I can only hope and pray and believe that that interview will help thousands of other people. Well, but in honest. that, I wanted, I wanted to run. I wanted off that camera. I did not want to be in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. so, um, so that was the threat part though, right, Beth? Yeah, it was a threat, but then, okay, wait, I am safe. This is a counselor. There's yeah. probably no better place for this to happen. So, so you can still be in a safe place and still feel the threat, mm. which is like the, all the mm. work that they do around trauma is to help people feel safe first, get that foundational piece in so right. that they are able to face these threats again and start to work through them rather than run from them. Like you said, your first response was, let me get the out of here. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, wow, this is so. I, this is so insightful. So let's, let's pull this down to, into the practical realm. So for mm-hmm. the, so for the average, you know, person that's listening to this podcast and they're kind of mm-hmm. hearing some of this and it's ringing true, or they're thinking maybe I should try a different approach to um, to to what I'm doing in fitness, or maybe I even need some mm-hmm. physical therapy or something. What is your advice to that person? So my advice to that person is you should not be breath holding unless you are working at your very highest max effort. Okay. 
So, and if you're worried that you may be breath holding or you feel like that you're a breath holder, open your mouth and talk. Mm. And as the activity gets harder, you may have to kind of, uh, you know, make some more of those like growly faces and, you know, growly <laughs> stuff and, and things like that. So I love gyms where you can throw weights and, and make noises and scream out loud and do that kind of stuff because I think it's very powerful for, for uh, building that. But if you're really working on making sure that your pelvic floor is working and your tummy is working and your core is working and all those wonderful things I know that they're doing with you all at fit to be you know, mm-hmm. bringing the breath and the voice on just yeah. helps automate that deeper system. So yeah. you don't have to think about, okay, first squeeze my pelvic floor, then I'm going to sneeze. You know, <laughs> yeah. you can, th- instead you can yeah. think, how can I automate that system? Well, I'm breathing right before the sneeze. So maybe right. I need to lean forward, pull my head out and sneeze. Right. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be uh, doing a lift. So can I bring the breath or the voice on to automate, bring that system on a bit as I'm actually right. doing activity to make it more automatic and to help, you know, just give you a little more oomph to your stuff. So I think it's yeah. kind of fascinating because, you know, people have said for as long as I can remember that if you're running or walking and you're in pretty good shape, you should be able to talk the entire time that you do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I say so, that. There it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> that's why because it automates the system right. and if you're not able to do that you're working really hard yeah and so maybe yeah. that activity needs to be scaled a bit so that you can get that piece of it up and in before you start to mm-hmm. add more miles or add more hills yeah or you know Definitely. add more steps supercalifragilisticexpialidocious yeah well, not every class but randomly well, because if you can't get through that entire word without gasping for air, mm. you need to tone it back a notch. Or, or sing something from the sound of music or, you know, just what, whatever <laughs> they want to do. I mean, yeah. any of that works. But, yeah, making sure that they have that sustained exhalation, that they can do that without, yeah. like you say, mm-hmm. going, <clears throat> you know, afterwards. Yeah. And exactly. Yeah. Well, that and is, trying to get yeah. to well, I've made a note. Mm-hmm. I've made lots of notes here, especially for when we film blue for our color oh, theory. I've got a note now because blue is associated with the throat chakra. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to be doing some vocal stuff. And I just made a note that I need to make um, one of those videos include some noises and some slamming motions. Mm-hmm. I think that will be important. That's mm-hmm. good. That's good. Yeah. And yeah. it'd be fun for them to do that and to feel the vibration changes. So yeah. right. they can put coming, their fingers on their- uh, yep, their fingers on their hyoid bone. They can put it on their breastbone. They can put it down on their pubic bone. And as they change pitches, feel the differences in the vibrations through the entire system. Oh, so good. So, so, so of, good. A lot of fun stuff, yeah. Well, Susan, thank okay. you so much for this. You're welcome. Been super fascinating. Where where can people find uh, find you, find more information about you? Yes, people can find me uh, at um, Embody Physiotherapy and Wellness. Okay. Our website is uh, www.embody-pt.com. Awesome. Email, email me, Susan, at same, same uh, site, okay. uh, embody-pt.com. And they can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm Susan Coel Clinton, C-O-E-L, on Facebook. And on Instagram and Twitter, I'm S. Clinton PT. Awesome. We'll put all that in the show. Great to follow. Yep. But yeah, thank you so much for spending the time. We got one more quick question that we ask everybody, mm-hmm. which is what is right now, today, your current favorite exercise? 
My current favorite exercise today, walking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. walking. And line dancing. And, and line dancing. <laughs> That's great. Sorry, I have two. Oh, I'll go with you. When we get together, I will go with you. I love okay. line dancing. Oh, yeah. I haven't so been in fun. years. I'm going to need so video fun. of that. I'm going to need some video of that. Best You're going to have to come. Bring Alice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Susan, thank you so much. Um, we really appreciate it. We'll have to have you yeah. on. And it's very fascinating. And uh, we'll put all mm -hmm. the information in the show notes. And uh, until next time, we'll see you guys later. Fantastic. Thank you, Susan. Okay, friends and fans, if our podcast floats your goat, you should subscribe to fit to be Radio and also follow us on Twitter at fit to be on Instagram at fit to be studio and on Facebook via fit to be Tummy Safe Fitness. That's my rooster. I'd also love for you to join FitToBe.com so you can work out with me. Plus, that's how we pay our bills that keep our lights on, providing family-friendly workouts that help you make a strategic return to fitness. See you there.